What's up, Florida State sports fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Knoll Sports Podcast. Kurt Weiler here with Andre Fernandez. Coming out of the bye week, we got the uh, the chance to recharge, and I mean, a, a pretty brutal half, or a potentially brutal half, I should say. I mean, it, it may not be as challenging as we thought coming into the, uh, the season, but it'll be chall- it'll be tough for Florida State these next six games. The first one, hopefully not. If the first one this weekend, I mean, they, they, they got UMass this weekend, and if the, if the first game back is a challenge, then that is, I would label as very concerning for Mike Norvell and his program. Yeah, you're, you're going backwards if this game is an adventure again. I mean, because when you look at, when you look at UMass overall, Oof. it's, they're, they're, I mean, it looks like every major offensive and defensive category, at least team categories, they're they're on the bottom of the of the ring of the ladder about in the one twenties and everything in, in FBS. I mean, this is a team that. I mean, I, I would even say Jacksonville State is better than them. I mean, I know they're FCS, but at least Jacksonville State was like a a decent FCS. You know, top ranked in the top twenty and, and at that level, UMass would probably struggle in FCS. I mean, I, I think they'd probably be like a mid level team from the looks of it. So, if FSU, the point is, if FSU doesn't come out at home. And especially what we've seen the last two weeks, the ability for them to put it together the way they did against North Carolina. I mean, yes, they're still struggling with that part of it, with you know staying consistent. But they, they, they're at the point now where there's no excuse if you struggle against a team like this. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the odds dictate that Jacksonville State was, I think, a 27-point underdog. I think UMass opened as a 37-point underdog. I think last I saw it was at 36 on a on on Wednesday, it's it's Thursday now. Yeah, I mean, it, it, Mike Dorvell, I I doubt is a shall we say I doubt worried about this game too much. He's not going to cop to that publicly, but I think he learned some really tough lessons from that that Jacksonville State game about not messing around, not going to the two quarterbacks early, kind of the, the 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 when and where to kind of get those opportunities in against outmatched teams like Jacksonville State was. And, yeah, I don't expect a a repeat of that. But I understand fully why, like you said, he really harped on the inconsistency Wednesday. And uh, I know – I don't think Wednesday's practice was by any means bad, but his standard is his standard. And I think part of why we've seen the progress we have is because that standard hasn't changed. And if he sees any dip whatsoever, he's going to harp on that because not even so much about because of this weekend, but because of what's ahead. No, and good for him for that. I mean, I, I, yeah. that's one of the things that I really like. Um, even before I started covering this team, just from listening to him, I like that in a coach. I like that. You know, you don't mess around. You try. You keep it. You keep it consistent, level-headed. Whether it's a victory or a loss, and I think it's a good time for it because you are going to have. Every team's going to have bad practices, but he's seen the trend, and the way he put it was like in the bigger lens of this keeps carrying over into the game, and I do not want to see this continue to happen. And there's going to be games where other teams are going to make you look bad. But in this case, it comes at a good time because you, don't, you, you have to fight against complacency, too, and, and focus and, and lack of focus. I mean, and, and really, this is the type of game where a lack of focus can get you into trouble that you don't need to be in. And, he, and this is, I think this is the perfect time, like I said, that for, them to, for him to kind of put his foot down and kind of get to the root of that and the fact that it also happened, that it also happened after the good one, not vice versa, might in a weird way be a good thing because now they could chew on this for the next couple of days 
and fine tune things a bit and be a little more zoned in once Saturday's kickoff comes and it's going to come at them early at noon, obviously. Oh, for sure. I mean, we always talk about these games are the opportunity to hopefully get your younger players out there. I know Kenny Dillingham fielded a question about that Monday and kind of said, like, we haven't talked about that would be ideal. But you look at, I mean, Florida State didn't get to do that against Jacksonville State. Obviously, the hope was going into the game they would, but with it playing out the way it did, they kind of had to, I mean, it was a regular game as far as kind of their personnel was concerned. So you get to play those redshirt guys four games a year, and this should be a prime opportunity, even for those freshmen who you're not expecting to count on this year, to maybe get them in in the second half if you're able to do what you're supposed to do, build that early lead. I mean, obviously, I know... There are some uh, some Florida State fans who are who are probably uh, eager to see this team go up against Walt Bell, eager to see Walt Bell back on an opposing sideline with what looks like what is I would say an outmatched, a severely overmatched team. I, there's some bitterness there, fair or not. If I had to bet, honestly, I think the bitterness with Walt Bell is more about Sam Hell than uh, than anything with with his exit. I think it's more the the Sam Howell situation and his his role. In Sam Howell not ending up at FSU, but it really should be. I mean, you look at it, it it's not been an especially hard uh, schedule for UMass. They played Coastal, they played Pitt. Those are two teams currently ranked. Obviously, Coastal just lost uh, last night, but they've also played Boston College. They played the Eastern Michigan. They played Toledo. They played their, their one, they snapped a 16 game losing streak that spanned three years or, or three seasons in their last game out against UConn. But with that schedule, which isn't that daunting, they've been outscored 41.5, 41.5 to 16.7 average per game. I mean, it's been fairly non-competitive. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's been a struggle for them, for sure. Yeah, I think it's only, going back to what you said, the, the Howell part of it, I mean, the Sam Howell part of it, yeah. I think that's only what it is at this point. I mean, I, I think at this point, I don't think FSU fans, unless you're like really, really latching on to something, care about the exit part of it. I don't think they associate them the same way they do with Taggart, obviously. But the Howell part, I think, stings because when you look at it, I mean, you know, look at the talent that could have been, you know. I mean, obviously it would have been in a different situation and who knows how factors play out, you know, under under Taggart's tenure with him here. But at the same time, I think that's – anytime you look at it and you see a guy who's achieving the way he is and is going to be in the NFL, you, you, it's frustrating when – it's like the what if, what could have been. No, for sure. And, and, and I mean, we uh, the case can be made that, that, I mean, we've talked about this, that Florida State's been better off in the long run by not landing Sam Howe, which may have prolonged Willie Taggart's tenure, and they were better by, uh, by moving on quicker like they got to by not landing Sam Howe. But, no, I mean, it's a... It, it, UMass is probably, I mean, I think the, the recent athletic survey of kind of people in football, in college football had it as the second hardest group of five job behind UConn. I mean, it's a, it is a, it is a struggle. They're independent, so they have to kind of find 12 games to play every year. There's no conference schedule to kind of rely on, and, 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 and there are struggles. And that game, that, uh, yeah, and that game the other day, I think, who's the one that does the bottom uh, t- the bottom 25 poll? I think oh, it's CBS I think it's, Sports. Uh, Tom Fornelli with CBS. Yeah, and they had them and UConn as the one and two at the bottom. So even their victory – is against the team that just is like the next worst or could have been the next worst. So it's not like, yeah, it's been, it's been, a, it's been a struggle. Yeah. I mean, they, they, Ellis Merriweather is kind of the, there's a running back. He's got, 
415 yards this season. He's averaging a little under a, a little under 4.8 a carry. He's got two touchdowns. They give him almost 15 carries a game. I mean, he's kind of the uh, uh, they rely on him pretty heavily, and he's definitely the the main part. But when you look at, I mean, their quarterback is completing just over 50 percent of his passes. He's averaging about 170 yards a game in Brady Olson. It's not inspiring. I mean, the defense, like we said, they're averaging, they're giving up 41 a game. I think UConn's the only team they've held under 40 points. And they, they gave up 13, but Toledo put up 45 on them. Coastal put up 53. Eastern Michigan put up 42. And it's. Uh, uh, it, it's even, you, it yeah. should be. It should be. I mean, we've talked about. It should be what the Jacksonville State game. You thought that was going to be, maybe even more so. Right, and 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 it shouldn't even take like one. Like I feel like in the Jacksonville State game, the first drive was promising, and then you had the drop pass, and then they sort of settled into a funk, and they didn't really get their offense going. Like I feel like even one mistake in this game early, if it were to happen, shouldn't derail what you're hoping to get. You know what I mean? Like it's a, it, they're at a point now. FSU where but that's where but but that's Norvell's rant this week it's like he, he was even mentioning specifically he said yeah North Carolina was impressive all of that but why are we down 10 nothing why did it have to be having yeah. to, to to do that had they come out like they did in the second quarter from Jump Street and really executed they wouldn't even have to come back and that's that's his whole point is why do they keep putting themselves in these difficult spots when they if they play up to their capability they can at least against most teams not be in that predicament right right from the beginning. Yeah, and I mean, he, he talked about, too, he took a question at his Monday press conference this week. He uh, he, he, he got asked about kind of like the back half of the schedule. Obviously, your final five games are going to have your three kind of probably main rivals in Clemson, Miami, and Florida. And he got asked about that. I mean, the excitement over kind of the growth we've seen and how that might show up against that schedule. And he kind of said rightfully so. I mean, he said the right thing. We're not in a place to look past anybody. And he talked about kind of like it would be a real shame if the, the the tough lessons and the pain we went through from that Jacksonville State game and from the start of the season, from the 0-4 start, was kind of in vain. If we right. didn't learn anything from it, if we dealt with some of the, uh, the same things. You're right. Okay. This team does seem more mentally strong now, and I think they are more mentally strong. I think that North Carolina game, last year's game, I mean, the, the, the win last year – being what it was and being impressive, this one was more commanding. This one more spoke to growth, not I don't want to call it fluke, but it was less fluke e. So yeah, yeah. the, the mean, growth seems real, yeah. and I think it's in all phases. But it, they don't want to waste that. Yeah, you look at oh no, you look at last year's win over Carolina. It was it, it was like a perfect storm for about a quarter and a half, and then it was hang on for dear life and 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 hope they run out of time almost. But this this game, I mean, as soon as they did they did start sluggish and fell behind ten nothing. But after that, it was complete dominance. I mean, they outscored them thirty five seven and made the plays. And the impressive part to me was every time Carolina seemed to be to be getting back in it, something something good happened for FSU. Whether it was the big play, the big pass downfield to Keyshawn Helton, the the Jerry and Jones interception. They came up with every key play they could to stifle Carolina's momentum and keep adding to their own. And that's something that really we haven't seen enough of against any team this year that, that we haven't seen them do. We've seen them do spurts of putting things together, but to really come back and do that when a team is punching back, and especially on the road, that was, that was impressive. 
So yeah, it speaks to the mental growth for sure. I mean, like we we've seen time and time again, even before your time on the beat, this the the team just not responding in big moments, kind of crumbling, and having the opportunities to turn the game, having the opportunity to make those plays in those moments, and failing to do so. And so doing so against, I mean, with all those factors that you mentioned, I mean, yeah, it's a. Uh, it's something to feel good about entering. I mean, like we said, a stretch that you you feel better, you feel better about than I would say far better about than than you did at the uh, at the start of the season. Yeah, you know, I mean, the, the mental toughness I think is developing at least now. That's just a matter of of execution. And I'm and again, I'm I'm curious to see if they do carry this over in a positive way if they are if they did learn their lesson early on and will the focus be the necessary focus be there to make sure that this doesn't turn into something more difficult than it needs to be yeah truthfully i mean you feel good about the opportunity for i mean obviously this win but then the final five games there are uh, i i don't i would go so far as to say none of those games are unwinnable which is but, a, which is a statement compared to where we were month month and a half yes. ago yes i mean that the clemson game and we'll talk more about that next week has probably gone from one percent chance i probably less than one percent chance to win to 15 20 that clemson yeah. defense is still no joke but that clemson offense has i feel like people have time and time time and time again said oh well they'll figure it out and they're now six games in and out after a bye week still have it yeah i mean it has not clicked at all and then that's the that's the whole thing that has been discussed as if at this point seven eight weeks in that's who you are and that's alarming for clemson big picture wise because this was supposed to be next and uh (laughs) you know new quarterback and just keep clicking and it has not so there's talent there and it could it could come together at any point if there's one big game maybe something clicks but at the same time we saw it against georgia tech they struggled we saw it against syracuse they struggled and and yeah, you know, that's they, not, I mean, they haven't be, scored twenty points in regulation in a game yet no, this season. No, no, they're they're, they're ranked against, at the they're ranked at the bottom of the ACC in in, a, yeah. in almost every offensive category. I mean, one thing was at the beginning of the year against Georgia. Georgia's on another level defensively, but at this point, we've seen multiple teams hold them down. And you're right. I mean, it could be a low scoring, gritty game that gets decided by a, a couple of plays, and who knows? I mean. They were life and death with Syracuse the other day, and Syracuse nearly pulled that off, but it was at the Carrier Dome. I mean, this is obviously going to be tougher. It's always a tough environment at Clemson. But at the same time, yeah, the point being that compared to where we were a month or so ago, looking at this game as a as a pretty much sure defeat, now you're looking at it with a, a glimmer of, you know, maybe if they put the perfect game together, they'll be competitive and have a shot. But, but tying that back into Florida State, if they come out and they they look un, they look just uninspired this weekend, you'll have a hard time thinking they can win a lot of those very winnable games down the stretch of the season. The chance for an even bigger signature win than the North Carolina, yeah, one. I mean, just I mean, it it feels like even though this is a game they should coast to, you will learn about the a lot about the current state of the team against UMass. Are they able to come out and get up twenty one points by the end of the first quarter? You know? Right. Are they more right, are they more North Carolina or are they still more of this team that we saw when they were 0 four? You know, that's that's I think a, a little bit of a barometer with with this game this weekend and yeah, I mean we'll see. We'll see. It's gotta it's gonna be an interesting final stretch of games. Even looking past Clemson 
when when you when you talk about not just the rivalry games, but you know even even a very interesting one against an NC State, a much improved NC State team at home, high powered offense. To me, again, the the more often than not, a bad start is going to doom you. I know they they overcame it against North Carolina, but you don't want to keep falling in that spot. And that's five times out of six that they have not started well. So the trend is still not great at starting games for this team. So that's something they still have to correct. No, for sure. I mean, it's a uh, it, it it's interesting. I think I kind of want to talk about a, a Jordan Travis here. I mean, obviously, we've talked a lot about the improvements we've seen from him, especially in that North Carolina game we talked about last week. I mean, that was far and away the best game of his career. I don't know if I realized until I kind of write a story I wrote today that's now up on uh, Tallahassee.com and Sports.com how much improved he's been as a passer. I mean, we saw it in the preseason, and then we didn't see it, obviously, translate early into the season. Obviously, he threw three interceptions against Notre Dame. Not all of them horrible decisions. Some of them remarkable plays. I mean, Kyle Hamilton wasn't a monster in that game. But but really since then, and especially since he's kind of taken the full reins the last few weeks, we've seen much better proof of the uh, the, the progress that he's made. I, I don't think he's I don't know if he's ever gonna be an a remarkable passer. I don't know if he's ever gonna but could he be a service, serviceable enough passer that when you pair it with his running ability, he is able to kind of become the player that I think the coaches kind of always believed he could. Yeah, well, we'll see what the Syracuse game showed was that he's the best fit for this offense, the way because of his mobility and, and his ability with his legs and everything like that. But what the North Carolina game really showed you were these numbers that you were talking about, and the ability too to go downfield. I mean, they they finally we said before they finally took some shots downfield. Obviously, the game plan was different, but you could game plan it and you could try and and fail. They didn't. They succeeded, and that stretched the offense. And to me, that shows me that if he's okay, if he's that quarterback and he can stay durable, it adds a dimension to your offense that you didn't have those first few games and makes you that much more explosive. And that obviously that has a whole ripple effect to them having more of a chance to pull off some of these victories down the stretch. And, and that's huge, because, and not just for this season. But going in the next season, I mean, obviously you're going to have A.J. Duffy coming in with the class of 22 and whatnot. But Jordan Travis, if he keeps this up and stays on the field and can avoid injury, I mean, he's pretty much making the statement that it's his that he's the incumbent. It's his job to be, you know, his job to lose going in the next season, potentially. When a few weeks ago, I mean, we had we had all but written him off. Right. No doubt. Like, I think we had all been like, well, next year's going to be. Chubba v. AJ Duffy, probably, you know, and, and and we'll see who wins that. I mean, it's a, it's been something to see, and I mean, you you blur the lines a little, but Jordan's been through a lot in his career. I mean, he he signed out of high school to uh, to Louisville and was a part of that chaotic last year of Bobby Petrino's tenure there, and got out of there before the year was over. He spent less than a year there. He ends up at Florida State. I mean, it seems pretty clear that uh, that Willie Taggart didn't have any trust in him because his, the first game he played in and made an instant impact with his legs was the first game after Willie Taggart was fired. Exactly. So, I mean, he and then he obviously last year becomes the answer, and then this year it seems like he was obviously battling some injuries, as he has a lot. 
But but to see him really, I mean, now kind of win a second quarterback competition and for the second straight year become the long term answer. I mean, it's uh, it's been pretty remarkable to watch. Yeah, and 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 good for him. And you, it's it's a feel good. I know the feel good story yes. coming into the year was McKenzie and and well deserved. But now this is like another feel good story seeing the seeing his journey because, I mean, again, I go back to ACC kickoff when he said that he was contemplating giving it up. And, yep. you know, now look at him, you know, just a few weeks later, pretty much. And, and you know, sky's the limit now. And, and I think it was very telling the fact that he said that, you know, the way he bounced back to, to kind of use almost like a like something we always look at, like in baseball, like when a pitcher pitches and then you want to see how they bounce back the next day, how sore are they or how not sore are they? It was encouraging the fact that he said Sunday I felt good. Like, usually I don't, but this time I did. And some of that might have been a little bit of a high from winning the game, I think. But but physically, it's an encouraging sign if he's bouncing back better than he did before. That means that physically he's doing, you know, he's recovering well. And, and, and that, again, will only help his play. Well, and he's also, I mean, he's making smarter choices. I mean, he talked candidly about, and he's, I don't think you're ever going to get out of Jordan Travis the, if it's third and three and he's keeping the ball, he's going to do whatever it takes to get as close to that line or across that line as possible. Right. In that situation, he he is, I think is just the type of player he is. He's always going to make those decisions and just kind of like lower his shoulder and a whatever it takes mentality. But I think the thing he's learning is you don't have to run that same way if it's first and ten. Mm-hmm. If yeah. it's if it's you know I mean if it, it, situations are important and it kind of felt like when Jordan started he has always learned or he always just kind of was every play was trying to make it as much as possible and do whatever it takes and play with kind of reckless abandon and that's no way to play quarterback it's not a sustainable way to play quarterback and I mean I think like you said I think I think he, him learning that ties into I mean like he said like Mike Norrell said that I think that's the healthiest he has been coming out of a game was coming out of that North Carolina game. And I mean, now he uh, has had the bye week and, and to, to kind of further, I don't think recover is even the word because I do think he's, he's been healthier, but with, I mean, they need him that stretch ahead clearly because we, we've seen the current iteration of Mackenzie Milton. And obviously I think the, 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 the hesitancy to put Chubba Purdy in has been telling of just him needing that developmental year. So I think this team's only going to go so far in the back half as Jordan takes them. So him learning those lessons is is very valuable for this team. Yeah, and recovery meaning like from one day to the next, not obviously oh. like you said. Yeah, like not in the terms of the grand overall in the year. He's healthy. He's healthy now, but but even then, like you could have your you, you could take your hits and 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 whatnot. The fact that he's bouncing back, I think just his body feels better. That's that's big because especially for a guy who's been injury prone through the early part of his career too that's a that's a good sign and again his durability like you said it's going to be tied into how much we're here talking about what they're going to be down the stretch i think a big factor is if he can stay out if he can stay out there and be the leader of this team like he's been the last two weeks yeah and like we said it shouldn't matter this week i think we'll probably get trouble purdy purdy's uh, season debut this, I mean, I thought so against Jacksonville State too. So what do I know? Anything can happen. But but I I, I, I mean, it just all goes back to if the lesson hasn't been learned. But I think I think we should get a bunch of guys who we haven't seen much of, if any, of this season, 
uh, into the game. And I think that could be very valuable for not even the the rest of the season, but but for the future and along the lines for uh, along the lines of what we were talking about for Jordan. You don't want Jordan to have to play 80 snaps in this game. Right. You probably yeah. don't want Jordan to have to play 50 snaps in this game. I mean, for what you're going to need from him in the back half, you want this to be at least a somewhat lighter week. Definitely. And for those of you out there that that are wondering if they if they take care of business, this is the first this would be the first time FSU wins 3 in a row since ending the 2017 season. Jimbo Fisher's last year in Tallahassee on a four-game winning streak and winning the <laughs> Independence Bowl. It's been that long. Man, I mean, that, it, it is crazy to think about. And I might go look up for, for a story later. I mean, how many three-game losing streaks have they had since then? How many, like, mm-hmm. losing streaks of at least that that if, size? If, because... if you would have told an FS, anyone when Jim, Jimbo Fisher walked out the door, it's going to take you four years to, to at least to win three straight, just three straight? Good Lord. I mean, it's something. And yes, two of those were were Syracuse and and UMass, but the other was, I mean, the first road win of of Norvell's tenure. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I don't want to spend too much time talking about UMass, honestly, because it's it's UMass. I mean, the 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 bigger picture is more important, and I think we'll know more about the bigger picture somewhat after this weekend, but more, I mean, we'll see what that Clemson game yeah. looks like. I mean, we'll, we'll see. it's such a week to week thing too. With, yeah. with the ACC, the ACC especially has been so there's, there's parody even at the top now with Clemson struggling. I mean, it really is. I mean, it, it, it it's exciting for the league in the sense of like for the teams that feel like they have a chance. I mean, let, let's see. Let's see how it goes. If they if they do take care of business and and we're looking at three and four heading to Clemson, I think you you even start to wonder. You know that that potentiality is there still even a a, a small chance if things go well. You know you don't want to say the B word just yet, but you know we had abandoned that completely. And then another thing that sort of has resurrected at least I, I like your odds. Uh, maybe we've re- resurrected that conversation. Maybe twenty percent for right now. So it'll it'll grow. If they get more wins. A crazy thing to say coming into the year, but I do think it's true. I think you have better odds right now to beat Clemson on the road than you do NC State at home. Yeah. And well, I think well, you say, I mean, yeah, I mean, Florida's you know, underachieved too, but I think you have better odds of winning at Clemson than you do at Florida. I was, that was the next one I was going to say. I mean, I know people, yeah. don't wanna, people obviously don't want to hear that when it comes to the Gators, but at the no. beginning of the year – Mathematically, or looking at the looking at it, you did have a better shot at winning in the swamp than at Death Valley, and I think that's and that's definitely flipped at this point. But the caveat there, I mean, obviously the uh, the the the, the bye week was a pretty good one for Florida State fans who got to sit at home and watch Florida and Miami lose again. I mean, it's the, I think the second straight week or second time in three weeks that uh, that both Florida and Miami lost, and uh, and Florida State. Didn't lose. I mean, they, they yeah. were to buy this past week, but but hey, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's hard to play the whole matchup game too. But I mean, I think I think you look at that. Who knows? Dance Mullen seats getting hot. It is. It is. It is. And, and and that's fair too, no doubt. And when you look at Miami, I mean, I, I look at Miami even much more than than the Gators when it comes to this conversation because they're such a head case team right now. 
underachieving and, and doing what and not doing what they thought they could do. I'm very curious to see what's going to happen Saturday night down there with a with a very good NC State team. Does you know is this Miami turning it around or is this NC State flattening them and really just putting them even further in their misery? I mean, the the question at this point, who like talk about the ACC at large? Who would be your picks right now to to play in the ACC championship game and win the ACC? Kind of be that that Orange Bowl rep. I mean, I know the popular bet right now is the whole Wake Pit game that people want to see, just because it'd be so entertaining to see, you know, this this much improved Wake team go up against Kenny Pickett and and and, and what the that explosive Pittsburgh offense. But I wouldn't count Clemson out yet. I mean, not completely. Not completely because of that they defense. They can't lose one more game, probably. I think three lo- conference losses would be too many. Or would well, yeah. it only, if, no, if, it would be if, two. Yeah, if, they, if you're talking about that, yes, no doubt. But they still, Wake Forest still has to play and beat Clemson. I mean, assuming Clemson is still where they are at that point in terms of record. If, obviously, yeah, if they drop a game, say, to FSU or someone else on the way, then they're not a, then they're not a factor anymore in that. But it, it, Well, and let's be real. NC State fans are by no means counting chickens. I mean, we, it, it, NC State for to, to to censor it for the podcast. NC State <laughs> stuff is a thing. If you ask NC State fans about NC State, fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. It's a th- like and, and the the biggest example of that outside of I mean their baseball team and what happened to them this past year would be losing to this Miami team or this Florida State team. Right. No. And letting Clemson kind of right back in to the the, the, the ACC race. No, oh, no doubt. I mean, that really would be dropping the ball from their perspective. I I, I think Wake is going to get there. I really do. I, I think this I is. I think so too. I'll be honest. Because I, I like their formula. I really like the fact that they can run the ball. They play solid defense. They have a solid quarterback at in Sam Hartman. I mean, they seem to have all the pieces, and they're well coached. And. If this we, is the most talented, some, some, we saw it. We saw it. We saw how they rolled FSU the way they did, and could have really, could have, could have really leveled them. State. What's that? We've seen some pretty low lows from NC State. I mean, yeah. that Mississippi State team's not bad, but they're not good. Yeah. They're not especially good. Yeah. And 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 they 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 handily beat them. I mean, we saw NC State struggle a little with Louisiana Tech. I mean, they, their roller coaster hasn't been as drastic as Florida State's, but. It's. I mean, there's been a little bit of one. Here, here's Wake Forest's final stretch. They have to go to North. They, I mean, they have a couple games that they should win. They have Army this week, even though it's on the road. But they should win that game. They have Duke at home. Definitely should win that game. Then they go North Carolina away, rivalry game on the road. I know Carolina's up and down, but it's still that's not an easy one. And they get the Wolfpack at home, huge game there. Then they still have to go to Clemson. And then they finish at BC, so that's a that's still a, a pretty hard road, even oh, if you are the favorite. Down. What interests me about that Clemson game, whether it's Florida State or someone else, if they lose again and have like little to play for in terms of no no real conference aspirations. I mean, they've already kind of lost playoff aspirations, but like if if they were to oh, they've lost it, not kind of. <laughs> yeah, yeah they lost that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, but if they lose one more and lose a realistic shot at conference aspirations, yeah. I mean, how motivated is that team? True. I mean, no, it's all fair points. But, you know, teams will get up. 
you know, and even even the play spoiler, you know, we've seen it time and again. So I'm just saying that's not that's that's another team with a tough slate. You, you don't even have to get to Clemson and BC. The Carolina game on the road will be challenging, and then that NC State Wake game with both teams conceivably ranked if they stay if they stay upright for the next couple weeks. That's a big one on November 13th. Yeah, well, I mean it's a. It's nice to have an, an ACC without kind of a foregone conclusion. I mean, we thought it was a foregone conclusion coming into the year. I mean, Clemson, the runaway favorite to uh, to to win the ACC, and yeah. I, I mean, they still can. You're right, but but it, it's it's even if they did at this point, it wouldn't be in the way everybody thought they did. And, and bringing that back to the Seminoles' perspective, that again is the conversation we've had that. It, is this a blip for Clemson or is this now them falling off that giant pedestal they've been on for six years? And, and that will, will be very influential to see how much success long-term FSU can have when, if, and when they were able, they are able to build up back to a level they want to get to in the next couple of years. Yeah. Because the truth is, I mean, the, the biggest hurdle kind of getting back to the top of the ACC for Florida State was that Clemson was the monster. So if they're right. not, that changes things. Yeah, if you're in an ACC that doesn't have that that, that, that monster every year and, and there's something to strive for, that affects everything. I mean, recruits, yeah. recruits will want to come because they'll be like, all right, now I really can play for a championship. Now I, have a, now I can go to a school that realistically, if things go right, at least has a chance to compete to go to a playoff. No, for sure, because I mean, you look at even the best teams this year, the the Wake Forests of the world, who are who are going to be good next year. They're always good under Dave Clawson, yep. but who are extremely senior heavy. Yep. You look at Pitt with Kenny Pickett, that is good, relying on a lot of upperclassmen. NC State, I think, is in a similar boat. I mean, I, I don't can I'm not expecting any of those three to be as good or better next year. Yeah, and then there, and you know, and you go down the line. I mean, what's going to happen, North Carolina? Mac Brown's done a good job, but Sam Howell will be gone. What happens next there? Miami's a mess. Manny Diaz may get fired. What happens there? I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty all over the conference and with different schools right now. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to be sure. We we should uh, we should definitely touch on it. Speaking of interesting, mm-hmm. the uh, the Florida State soccer team. I mean, tonight here within a couple hours of uh, of us talking. Mm-hmm. Things are about to get real interesting for them. The the oh, stretch yeah. that we've been talking about is here. Oh yeah, it's you know the, 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 the speaking of teams that have been monsters, maybe not in the last few years, but the the New York Yankees of of women's soccer, North is that North Carolina team winning twenty two titles. But the interesting thing that I wrote about this week was how FSU has become that monster now, after North Carolina was for all those years. In fact. FSU has pretty much been the one team that's been able to, to, to have a lot of sustained success in recent years against the Tar Heels. I think the record's 9-5-2 and two in the past. Uh, forgot, I forgot exactly what I wrote. I think it was seven, eight seasons, something like that. I mean, this is, the, this is a good you know, heavyweight matchup between teams right now. I mean, North Carolina, though, this, this version of them in 2021 – has lost two matches. They've they've tied two matches. So it'll be interesting at home. FSU goes to Chapel Hill, where they have where all that success I'm talking about has not happened. They've actually lost their last three in North Carolina. So hostile environment in in, in terms of going on the road, which they have a few times this year and, and done well. But 
14 and 0 is the longest winning streak in the country right now fsu and and then you look back beyond that game i mean in a span of a week they're gonna get the seventh ranked tar heels the sixth ranked duke blue devils and then if they come out of that with two more victories and if virginia doesn't slip up you're looking at a, at a, at a number one versus number two in the country right here in tallahassee next thursday night i mean that and, and then rinse repeat you might be doing these all over again in the acc tournament potentially in the ncaa tournament if you're a soccer fan and a, and, a, and a college soccer fan of the seminoles this is the time of year you've been drooling over and waiting for yeah i mean I'll, I'll, you've been uh, covering the team pretty extensively this year andre i'm gonna put you on the spot do they get to that game undefeated in your opinion and i mean do they get all three do they get through the regular season i mean that they're even 14 and 0 and they've been the consistency level they are at is incredible but do they do they get through these next three unbeaten do you think i you know i would have thought maybe not but at earlier in the year only because i hadn't seen enough of them but they've been so hard to pick against they've been so dominant i will say they have had some games when they have played this caliber of an opponent where they've won Thanks to a timely goal, they've won by maybe like by one goal. Yeah, I, you know what? It wouldn't surprise me if they if they if they might have a draw somewhere in this in this triple this triple threat they're about to face, where maybe you know what I mean. Like I have a, I, I don't know. I could see one game really going down to the wire and maybe being a, a situation where maybe they just tie and it's that close because. You're trying to you're you're trying to kind of balance and and their coach Mark Corian talked about this. You're trying you want to obviously win these games, but he, even he said it, he's like you know that these aren't going to be the most important meetings with some of these teams potentially. So you want to kind of not say not save your best shots or play kind of you know not tip your hand too much that type of thing, but you also want to stay healthy first off, and you want to make sure you you. You win the ones that count down the road. These don't mean as much as the ones that will come later, especially, obviously, the NCAA clashes, if any. But you can't. You also can't just start thinking, oh, what if, oh, what if, because you don't know how the brackets are going to turn out. You don't know which teams are going to get upset along the way and stuff like that. But just because of the parity, just because of the level of competition, what can they run the table and finish undefeated? Absolutely. I think they're definitely capable of doing that. Could I see them maybe tying one of these just because this is kind of, for any team, it's a pretty brutal stretch to play these three all in the span of one week. I could also see that happen as well, for sure. Yeah, and I mean, I think Mark Corian is right to kind of point out, maybe there, there's there's incentive maybe to not show everything in this first matchup, knowing that, I mean, he, he didn't outright say he's not a fan of the scheduling, but he was kind of like, you know, I mean, come on now. Like, there was a sense of like, You'd think they could have maybe lined this up a little differently. Yeah. Well, he flat out said it. They asked him, uh, yeah. and, and he even said, he's like, I wish we could have done the, a couple, you know, yeah. maybe one of these at least earlier in the season. But so all the more reason too. I mean, considering you might see these teams again in a matter of weeks and then even a matter of weeks after that. Yeah. I think they're, like you said, there could be a reason to maybe not show your whole hand kind of at this point. Yeah. And so how, how does, how do you approach that strategically? Yeah. I no think, I, I don't know. I think this team is proud of, being unbeaten and i mean obviously i think even a tie you can say is unbeaten i mean they they weren't beat but there's also something to be said for i mean like they did last year up to the final game and like they've done through 14 games this year 
not even tying any games, have a, having that 0-0 kind of on your record. Oh, sorry. All, all I can think of was we're talking about ties is Ted Lasso going, no, nah, no, nah, we, don't, we don't do ties over there. He just has to keep getting reminded. Did I, did I finally get you on that show on Yes, I, I finally watched and finally caught up. I, I, I just finished. You caught all the way up, huh? All the way up, yeah, in the last uh, couple of weeks. I've been binge-watching that. Great, great stuff. Great stuff. I, and I, when, it's, it's made me laugh every time now when I go out to cover one of these soccer matches, thinking of some of those things. I mean, I've always been a soccer fan, but, you know, it's just funny the, the perspective of it. It's well done, too. It's not just the comedy. But the characters, and, 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 you know, the stories, the even the the accuracy of things, you know, like the the format, things that happen in the Premier League, it's pretty well. It's a well done. It's a well done series. Oh, incredibly! Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad. Uh, I would encourage anybody uh, listening who hasn't made the dive. I know it's kind of a a, a a hassle to get Apple TV Plus because there may not be another thing on there that you're that you care about watching. But I promise you, it is a it's worth the time. It's interesting. I mean, we can just kind of connect everything to connect, tether, connect. We've talked about football and soccer. We've talked about Ted Lasso. Uh, the the friendship between uh, Mark Gregorian and Mike Norvell seems like an interesting one. Obviously, Gregorian's been a pretty frequent uh, visitor out at practice. I know he kind of brought some ideas to the football team in the offseason that Mike Norvell's kind of taken under advisement and, and integrated. And I, I definitely know the the respect Mike Norvell has for Mark Ricori and the success he's had, but it definitely seems like it's mutual. Yeah, I think so. I mean, coaches do because I, I think good coaches, especially, will yeah. will kind of pick each other's brain and see you see whether no matter even if it's a different sport, approaches to the way you coach, approaches to the way you handle practices, the way you handle the way the way you deal with players, things like that. There's some universal traits, and I think he sees Kirkorian's blueprint on this program has been a very successful one, obviously now for we're going on 16 years since he's been here in Tallahassee. And you can, you can pick some of those elements into your own coaching style, kind of weave them in if you, if you, if you'd like to. And it, and it's cool that both being under the Florida state, uh, you know, family tree, so to speak, they, that Mike Norvell has that respect for him. And likewise, and Kerkorian, I think last week we mentioned it too. I mean, he's always asking about football. He's always into it. He's always thinking, He's always like, you know, either a heck of a game, huh? Or he's like, what, what do you think about this week? What do you think is going to happen here or there? Like, he's really into it. So it's kind of good to see that the mutual respect and that, that fandom back and forth. Yeah, no. And I, I will say, I don't think I, – I, I'm not sure Mark Krikorian would outwardly, like, be as vocal in support of Mike, of Mike Gravel as he was if he didn't believe in him. Yeah, I agree. I yeah. don't think he's a, a BSer, shall we say. Right. I think the fact I think that that stems you're like you're saying that stems from he sees on the flip side of that even though even if Norvell's track record isn't extensive yet at Florida State but he sees what he's brought not just what he did before he got to Tallahassee but the way he's conducting this program over the past year and a half I think has opened his eyes as, as it has for a lot of people in Tallahassee and they know they know it's a, if it's going to succeed it's a you know patience is required and and it's it's still very early in that process, so, but it's good to see because you you see that there's some, from a, from a, from that perspective, there's belief that what he's doing behind the scenes setting up that foundation is working. No, for sure. We'll uh we'll know more, I guess, about the foundation. Like we said, after after this weekend, we'll we'll be back with y'all uh, next week talking. I'm sure a little UMass and how that game goes. Hopefully not a ton. 
if we have to talk about that game a ton, it might be a bit of a problem, like yeah. we said. Yeah, hopefully but, not too much of a dive into it, but maybe just but, highlights. We'll know more about Clemson, too, because Clemson is is an ACC underdog for the first time in a while Oof. at Pitt this weekend. Wow. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's the first time, and in, in, I'll, I'll, I'll look it up for, for next week. It's I know it's been a while, and David Hale with ESPN tweeted about it, a great ACC follow if you uh, – if you don't follow him already. But, uh, yeah, no, we'll be back with you for sure. We may uh, touch on some basketball. I know basketball, the men's team at least, has their first uh, preseason uh, exhibition. Man, next is that... week, Their first to two. And the, yeah. man, the women aren't tall. too far behind that. And then the season isn't too far behind that. Yeah, so I was just saying, man, is that team tall this year. I mean, they're usually tall. He, they, Leonard, Leonard Hamilton gets a lot of bigs. But, I mean, look, watching him practice, you know, the last couple of days, whew, I mean, it's like seven four, seven one, seven footer here, seven footer there. It's it, the uh, it's the ham mo, and it is in full effect this year, to be sure. Yeah, no, definitely. Little little bits of everything, and just the way he likes it, because as we know, Coach Ham will go deep on the bench and play everybody, and there's a reason for that because he wants to get the skill from every factor on his team, and and it looks like it's going to be that type of a year again, where he's going to get a lot of contributions to however successful they may be. No, for sure. So yeah, we'll uh, we we may touch on that some uh, next week as well as as that gets closer, and we'll have plenty of great coverage throughout the rest of the week, the weekend into next week on uh, Tallahassee.com, Nolsports.com. We we appreciate you for subscribing or encourage you if you don't, and uh, following on Twitter for subscribing to the pod. All of that is uh, is greatly appreciated. Yeah, definitely, and catch us as we go forward in this final exciting stretch of the year, like 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 Kurt said and. You know, we'll be back next week and, and have another edition of the Knoll Sports Cast. You know, for Kurt, I'm Andre Fernandez, and we'll we'll catch you guys next week.